Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. I'm actually really pumped about what we're going to talk about today. I know. Me too. Yes. It is my bread and butter. I love talking about communication. That is, I think, such an underrated um, tool to develop in therapy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I find that not a lot of people talk about it and it needs to be talked about. Definitely. And it's even part of the therapeutic relationship yes right that yes. that comes from both sides not just directive right. role plays or talking about communication skills but even just in how we interact in the session right yeah. exactly it yes. goes far and wide mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> and so in continuation of last week's episode where we talked about like shifting away from codependency and what that looks like i think it was um really important to have this conversation today about what communication looks like because we can develop all the boundaries in the world but if we don't know how to communicate those boundaries those boundaries don't really make the impact that they're meant to make and also they don't stick yeah so I think it's really important that we talk about that today yeah we kind of um we touched on it like you said last episode um and kind of got into that conversation but hit the pause button on it um and I'm excited to do a full episode on it yeah yeah I also think it's important to note when talking about this conversation of boundaries I think um kind of we might have mentioned this before but just the kind of pop psychology of it that Mm. it seems to me to be one of those terms as of recently um that everyone knows and is familiar with right Mm. like People generally know the term boundaries. People know what that word is. They're familiar with it. But I think there's often a gap in understanding of what it actually looks like and how we implement that and what it means for us. Um, That instead, it's just people hear it and it becomes kind of a buzzword. Um, And then it gets really muddy from there. Yes. Yes. So it's it's funny when I, um, you know, I do a lot of work with um, relational trauma um, and also a lot of work with um, helping clients kind of navigate the relationships that they find themselves in now. And one of um, the things that I always say, um, I think it's a funny, but maybe other people don't. <laughs> um, I believe the term is Enneagram, right? Like your Enneagram oh, yeah, style. Yeah. I say that knowing your communication style has everything over knowing your Enneagram style. Hmm. Like, Enneagram's got nothing on knowing your communication (laughs) style because when you know the way that you communicate it is much easier to know actually where your boundaries lie I think and I have seen Um, that's just my opinion Um, because there are so many ways that a person can communicate their needs and it does shift depending on who you're talking to so somebody might be a passive communicator by nature so they're going to 
most likely continue to communicate passively. And yet there might be somebody in their life where they feel like they need to be more aggressive. And so that's how they're going to shift their communication. Doesn't always happen, but I think it's really important to know what form of communication you tend to communicate with, because that also sets the tone of how you present in your relationships. Hmm. How does one go about finding out their communication style? Yeah. So I think the short answer is go talk to somebody like a therapist. Um, (laughs) Honestly, go talk to someone. It's not something that I think we will have innate awareness about unless we do some unless we look for things to educate ourselves. Um, It's one of those things that because because it's your way of speaking, you become so used to it. Unless somebody points it out as as a problem or as an issue, it's mm. not something I think that people take even a second look at yeah. um, unless they're presented with the information. Yeah. If, I, if I'm being honest, I, I don't even know if I have a communication style that stands out to me mm. as my own person, but I'm sure that's more of if somebody's, if I were to ask somebody in my life, they probably could tell <laughs> me. Um, but kind of what you're saying is that there's not, I mean, with engrams, there's, you know, mm-hmm. you can do like quizzes and personality yes. tests and assessment. Um, and perhaps with like a communication style that's not necessarily mm-hmm. like a BuzzFeed quiz. Of, no. <laughs> What's your communication style? And then you, right. s- you select a, s- a variety of pictures that suddenly tell you. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that your communication. Absolutely. I think that was a great way to yeah. describe. There are no BuzzFeed quizzes yeah, for communication no. style. If there are, I, I don't know yeah. how reliable they are. <laughs> right. Um, what would you, so what are the communication styles then? Yeah. What, how do we outline those? So um, the way I explain it to my clients is there's passive communication, there's aggressive communication, and then there's the holy grail that we can all probably strive to achieve is assertive communication. And then there's the hidden one, passive aggressive, um, <laughs> which I think a lot more people communicate with than they think that they do. Um, passive aggr- passive aggressive communication is, I think, what often leaves people feel very unseen and not heard in their relationships during arguments because a passive aggressive communicator really does leave a lot of room for the other person to continue to ter- to determine how you're going to be feeling about the situation sure there's like so much room for interpretation so much room for interpretation yeah. and so it's like it's it's and the reason why it's so that's why it's passive but the reason why it's also aggressive is because you're leaving so much room for interpretation when the other person interprets and you get upset right that right that opens the door for aggression because, well, you you didn't explain what you needed. So when somebody made an erroneous interpretation and you're blaming them for that, that's where the aggression, uh, aggression comes in. Right. Well, it's passive aggressive because we're not stating what's mm-hmm. what we actually are wanting to communicate. Exactly. Um, and yeah, like you said, being upset when that's not determined. So like the easiest yeah. example that would come to mind would be something like, the infamous like roommate sticky notes like Mm -hmm. the roommate who like leaves sticky notes everywhere and says like you know uh take out the trash (laughs) like that's passive aggressive Mm -hmm. in some fashion but then there's also like um well I'll just be over here doing all the dishes because that's apparently my job right it's right, like right, that's right. okay okay yeah sure, sure. if you if you believe so okay, right yeah, cool. yes that's I'll, your prerogative <laughs> right I will never forget one time I was working in residential treatment and our uh, manager sent us all a picture of a tissue that was on the floor you're kidding mm-hmm. your director did that yeah oh that's why I left I'm... going back to our episode as to like why residential was not a great experience for me it was that type of shit 
right there. What the fuck? <laughs> like, literally. Are we roommates? Are, like, we, are we roommates? I texted the whole, like, like we weren't running groups or cleaning other bathrooms or anything like, like that. Like, they're in charge of managing people. Exactly. Like, it is your job to be... Mm-hmm. But also, can you just pick it up? If you see that we're busy, just pick it up. You're not above it. Or if you care that much. Right. Say, Literally. hey, guys, let's do Be more conscious. Right. a better job of picking up our trash. Exactly. Or what can I do to help you guys throw out your trash more efficiently? <laughs> Literally. Do we need so more many. trash cans? <laughs> do we need more trash cans in the vicinity, right? right. Instead of just one in the kitchen. Like, right. what? Exactly. Solution focus. But no, no, don't don't take a picture and send it to the group chat. That is a classic example of being passive aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Or like sub sub mentioning. Like I was going to say subtweeting, but I don't know how many people actually use Twitter anymore. Um, But like, like, (laughs) yeah, passive aggressive stories on social media. Oh, my God. Yes. Alluding Mm -hmm. to you know, alluding to something that happened. Absolutely. Um, And so, you know, so I am the reason that I got so into talking about communication is because I've done a lot of work with my therapist on how to communicate. Um, And so I don't think to anybody's surprise, um, I tend to be an aggressive communicator by nature. (laughs) I was just going to ask you what your (laughs) communication styles. I mean, I know that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I don't think that's a surprise. Um, People who tend to be okay with navigating conflict tend to be aggressive communicators. um, And people who avoid uh, conflict tend to be passive communicators it's not always a clear line like it's just this or that but it just it's a tendency um so i i really like to go into what are the characteristics of each because i think that knowing that really will help set up for having an inclination of what type of communicator um, and how that ties into boundaries like set how we set boundaries how we communicate boundaries and how um, people might be responding to our boundaries depending on what communication style we use for them. Okay. Um, Yeah, take the lead. Go for it. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, my God. You could tell how animated I I love talking about this stuff. Um, So a passive communicator, the way I explain it, um, is this is a person who tends to prioritize the needs and wants of others while putting their needs and wants in the back burner. So what this can cause is being taken advantage of even by well-intended people. Um, Because if you don't, if you're not communicating what you need, a person doesn't know. And I think that's the hard pill to swallow, right, is when... And I have um, individuals coming in and they start doing this work. Well, if they love me, wouldn't they know? Okay, so there's a difference between you guys just meeting and you wanting flowers or you wanting, I don't know, your that person to pay for half of the meal. And it's the first meeting and you're just expecting the other person to know that. Mm. Versus you have been in a relationship for 10 years and you've been communicating what it is that you need and that person just not doing it. There is a big, huge difference between the two. So hearing that, I mean, I I don't, like I said, I don't know if I have ever really contextualized, conceptualized? Conceptualized. Yes. Conceptualized uh, my communication style, but I, I would probably lean towards more passive um I don't know if as my friend knowing me if you would agree um what you know about me but (laughs) but I would say I'm probably more passive aspiring to be more assertive yes uh and perhaps at times a little passive aggressive which I'm working on and the it makes me um think of kind of just you had mentioned you've also been working on this in therapy and um 
it hasn't been exactly in this way of of understanding it but I know for myself that's been kind of a realization of my own and as we're talking about this Mm -hmm. I'm kind of coming to see it that way in the sense that like I have been struggling with feeling disconnected at times Mm. from kind of the people in my life like oh do people really know me um and I had said that to my therapist the other day and we're talking a little bit about that and but kind of by the end of the session as we were processing through I was I was like I don't think I'm giving people the opportunity to like I'm just like people don't know me and then I'm not sharing things about myself necessarily with certain people that I'm feeling disconnected from um, and then feeling frustrated that they don't know anything about me. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we, had, we had talked about that and it just makes me, I think that that kind of sums up for me at least that more passive communication style that I've struggled with for a long time and kind of setting that expectation and something that I've been working on. Um, and interestingly, this most recent Valentine's Day, um, I've always adhered to like being anti Valentine's Day mm-hmm. because I, I don't know, I've just same. You know, go against the Honestly, go same. against the yeah. <laughs> the norm. Um, but for whatever reason, I was feeling particularly kind of keen on Valentine's Day this year, mm. and so I took it upon myself or like weeks before to just like mention to my husband like it might be nice this year to do something actually for Valentine's Day that's different. Um, and that was new for me because I was trying really hard to like put the expectation out there in advance mm-hmm. rather than coming upon like the first couple of days before or the day of and being like, why didn't you plan anything? Right, right, right. <laughs> don't you know me? Don't don't you love your yes. wife? Um, yes. And so really trying to put that out there in advance mm-hmm. and then allowing that to be up to him to determine right. how he responds to that. So um yeah, it's yeah. it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. With those passive communication styles, do you um, see particular, we mentioned like last week with codependency, certain beliefs that people have about themselves. Do you see connections to like certain beliefs that people have and that communication style? Oh, 100%. Um, oftentimes, um, I am unappreciated. I am undervalued. While that can absolutely, again, those people may be communicating what they need and the help in exactly the way that they need it. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, I see that that's not the case. I see that it's the idea of, well, if they love me, wouldn't they just know? Mm-hmm. And again, yes, it would be great for there to be such a deep and meaningful connection that somebody could I, you know, anticipate your needs. However, if you're constantly communicating passively, you're not actually forming those deep connections for someone to do that. Um, that, mm -hmm. Sorry, does that go beyond even, I would imagine, like, beyond romantic relationships too? Oh, 100%. Like, well, don't they just know what basic respect is? You know, shouldn't they just know that Mm -hmm. it's impolite to interrupt? Like, don't they know that? Yes. Like, they should just know that. If they, they should just know that, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, while we may think of that, you know, of something, doesn't mean they, or the next person thinks the same way that we do. Right. And if we are not, you know, wanting to be held up to expectation standards that we didn't set up for ourselves, then it would be nice to reciprocate that to somebody else, right? And so, yes, it goes so beyond romantic relationships. Um, it often happens a lot in family relationships. Mm. Oh, my God, don't they know I'm just so busy? They, they may, um, but unless you put in a boundary and communicate what realistically you can do for that person, 
they're going to continue to take because a boundary hasn't been set to stop. Yeah. Um, and, and this is where I see that a lot of individuals struggle with implementing boundaries is they don't know how to communicate their boundary because um, another characteristic of a passive communicator is a person who is does not appear to be confident. So mm-hmm. even in if you're starting your boundary work, you can communicate, you can communicate, okay, um, between the hours of you know, 9 p.m. and 9 a.m., I don't answer phone calls because I need to prioritize my sleep. A passive communicator, if they even get to the point where they want to communicate that, will probably say, uh, you know, it, it would actually just, um, you know, you can call me after 9, but I don't know that I can pick up. You know what is so interesting about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so from... Mm-hmm. a very feminist lens mm-hmm. um, would make the argument that women probably mm-hmm. tend to be more passive communicators in yes. these types of situations. I think about um, some of the discussions around women and how we, people who are socialized to be women, um, send even like emails, right? Like yes. Or ask for favors, right? Or ask for something that it's, um, hey, sorry to bother you, mm-hmm. um, but I was just wondering if maybe you could please send over the report that we discussed last week. But no rush. Certainly feel free to get it to me in your own time. I know you're busy. Um, again, sorry to bother you. Yes. Uh, thank you very much. And no rush. Talk to you soon. That is exactly it. <laughs> that is exactly like, it. And that is my communication style. <laughs> like through and through. But isn't that interesting how that comes up that it's um, kind of this belief of being a bother or having needs is um, somehow burdensome to other people right. or yes. um, that it's that it's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is absolutely where it derives from. I think our communication style heavily um, is has deep rooted um, dynamics with how we grew up and perhaps even our attachment styles. Um, so if, yeah. you know, we were made to feel like we were a burden, more often than not, you're going to end up communicating passively because you were taught not to take up space. And being a passive communicator is so in line with not taking up space. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, hey, I might want to do a birthday celebration that would mm-hmm. kind of be cool, I guess. Yep. Versus having a birthday celebration for me this year is really important. Exactly. And I would really appreciate if you could plan something yes. to celebrate my birthday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful, assertive communication yes. right there, Laura. So at what point does passive communication turn into passive aggression? I know we touched on it like yeah. a little bit, but <laughs> if we go through those communication styles, at what point would you say that passive becomes passive aggressive? aggressive. I think um, at least what the dynamic that I've seen um, play out in my therapy room when I'm starting to teach clients about communication style is that's actually the first thing that pivots is from becoming a passive communicator. You realize, wait a minute, I have needs and wants. I want to have needs and wants. And so then it becomes like, but I'm still not confident enough to say that I want needs and wants. So I'm going to do things that will put the message out there, but not, I'm not actually going to back it up with anything. And that's the essence of passive aggressive is it's kind of like when we don't implement boundaries, you're still letting the other person 
have a say in that interaction. And that is what passive aggressive communication is, is you're still allowing that other person to let you to determine how you're going to feel about a certain situation. Yeah. So if like they guess it right, your, you know, your passive message, they guess it right, then great, you get to feel happy. But if they guess it wrong, then oh man, you're upset. But guess who still had the power to make you feel that way? It wasn't you. technically yes because you didn't communicate but you're still allowing the other person to influence that situation instead of taking control of it yourself and feeling resentful when they regress it when they guess it wrong which can tie into codependency yes so exactly so there can tend to be a lot of passive aggression in codependency and codependent patterns um and i i think with that right because we talk about like codependency in our previous episode as being kind of a method for controlling and feeling controlled Mm -hmm. um that it there's kind of this manipulativeness that can be tied into passive aggression that it leaves the other person feeling oftentimes probably confused yep mixed messages like if it's you know suddenly your shoes are thrown out into the garage Mm -hmm. and you're like how the hell did my shoes get out into the garage? Right. Something like that where, where perhaps that, that wasn't previously communicated and, and we're feeling confused of like, why are my shoes out in the garage? Mm-hmm. This is strange. So it's, that's such an obscure example. I'm so sorry. Um, but the confusion that can happen of like, mm-hmm. man, I'm noticing that something's happening or this is weird and I don't know why, but like, where is this coming from? And then failing to understand and then feel and then there's this like guilt tripping. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think to make that additionally even clearer. Yes, thank you. Um, Conci- being concise is not mine. <laughs> it's not mine either. <laughs> but Forte. I think that was a great way um, to do just what so many people do. Hey, is something bothering you? No, <clears throat> I'm fine. And then looking the other way or being or slamming doors, but not saying anything Mm, or stomping around, stomping around. Exactly. Um, Banging like all of that is passive aggressive communication. It's aggressive because you're you're moving aggressively, but it's passive because you're not actually saying what it is. Doing this because I'm upset about something and I'm hoping that you will notice Yep. And even if you do notice, who's to say that I will actually tell you because exactly. I want you to just know. Right. I want you to just mm-hmm. pick up on what's wrong. Yes. I want you to just be able to read minds. Yes. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I see a lot of memes. And mind you, I am also definitely feminist. But I see a lot of memes circulating around that women tend to do this a lot. Well, sure. Yeah. But I but I think that that yes. probably stems from, from being raised in a society where, where we're, we're not expected allowed to, be to speak up. Exactly. That if you speak up for your needs, you're automatically assumed mm-hmm. to be aggressive. Yes. That if women say, that makes me uncomfortable, please stop doing that. That we're automatically rude. That you're automatically rude. Exactly. Right? And exactly. so it becomes this like, well, I'm going to try to send you subtle cues that mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable without actually saying so because I don't want to be perceived as rude right and therefore i need to depend on you Mm -hmm. to actually actually accurately pick up on that right right so that i don't come off as aggressive right Right. and while i 100 percent agree that this is a societal issue not any independent woman's issue but even with my clients i strongly encourage let's move away from that because right that's as much as we can you know say f the patriarchy well of course it's 
if if we are trying to have and cultivate a very fulfilling and healthy and emotionally safe relationship, that isn't something that we well, can do. We, right. Well, we still have to take ownership, right? Right. We, can we still have to take ownership. Where yes. that comes from, how mm-hmm. that develops, where what perpetuates that, how, yeah, if I assert myself, there may be people who perceive that as aggressive. Yes. I myself have to be confident in knowing that I'm not being aggressive. Yes. So thank you so much for mentioning that because that's a caveat is oftentimes we can communicate assertively and someone will perceive us as aggressive because most like more likely than not they are a passive communicator sure where it's like you're yelling at me nope i'm just having a confident tone you know and and while yes i want to validate that of course there are times where people are yelling at you um someone clearly and concisely communicating their needs does not mean they are being short it does not mean they are being snappy it does not mean that they you know are yelling they're just saying please don't speak to me that way yeah either either they have a passive Mm -hmm. style or they're somebody who is dependent on being in relation with people who are passive that they have a aggressive communication style and rely on others to be passive because that's the dynamic at play that puts them in control so on that note then how do we define aggressive communication Communication. what does that look Uh, like yes so i can tell you from experience um (laughs) an aggressive communicator does tend to prioritize their needs and wants above the needs and wants of others so and what that means is that they tend to dominate conversations some aggressive communicators will use humiliation and insults in their communication to almost like prove the point that they deserve to be angry and it comes from a place of insecurity sure. almost like feeling like your needs are not that important so instead and and listen these two people can have this a similar trauma right of this core feeling of i'm not in my needs are not important except one will take that message and say well i just shouldn't communicate my needs the other one will almost like overcompensate the aggressive communicator will overcompensate their insecurity about having needs and will communicate and and dominate the conversation. And so their tone is often, I think there's just no better way to put it than aggressive. We all sure. we all know an aggressive communicator in our lives. This is a person who you can't tell them anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never wrong. Um, oftentimes they will put you down and I will say a lot of the times they often use gaslighting and manipulation tactics as well to get their needs met. Yeah. Um, and really it, it comes to your, your communicating angrily, yeah. you're dominating the conversation. You're not allowing room or space for someone else to communicate. Is aggressive communication always, so when I think of aggression, the, the classic raised voice, Mm -hmm. rude tone, physical intimidation, possibly getting close to you, up in your face, Mm -hmm. right? Like situating themselves, you're sitting down, they're standing up, right? Kind of that dynamic. Um, Is it always that way or is it possible that aggressive communication can look differently? It can look differently. So I, for one, am am that example that you just mentioned or was. I'm really working towards it, um, through it. But yes, absolutely. A lot of posturing, a lot of making sure that there is a power differential and dynamic when communicating. But I also think that an aggressive communicator doesn't necessarily have to do that to put someone down. And that is really the, like, that is the essence of an aggressive communicator is that they will always try to put the other person down. Yeah, I guess that's, so, and maybe I'm, conflating passive aggressive with aggressive but 
so I'm wondering if we can kind of pull this apart because the the thought that's coming to mind is um, the tactic that some people use to communicate where the words that are being said mm-hmm. are awful. Yeah. But the tone is like sweet as honey. Passive aggressive. That's passive aggressive. That is okay. Through and through passive aggressive. Yes. Aggressive. So it's like I'm gonna insult you through and through mm-hmm. and rip you a new a new one. One. Yes. And um <laughs> and I'm gonna sound nice while I do it so that it yes. confuses you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yep. that's passive aggressive versus yes. aggressive would be kind of that more physical, like Oh yeah. Classical idea of yep. what being aggressive you is. You okay. are often communicating with your body and it is all posturing to hmm. show a power dynamic that you don't actually feel you have. What if you're not in the same room as the person? If you're not in the same room, this is a person that will blow up your phone. This is a person who will shout at you through text message, essentially. Sure. Like this, all caps. All or, caps, exclamation okay. points, um, continuous text messages, even though you're not responding. That is also what an aggressive communicator does. They are essentially not letting you not pay attention. Sure. If that's happening in like a workplace dynamic over email, can it be aggressive? Does that make sense? I like, would say so. Yeah. yeah like and with like maybe threats involved. Absolutely. Like, like, like you'll lose your job. Yes. That is aggressive. Okay. Yeah. That is aggressive communication. We don't need to insult another person to get our point across. We absolutely don't need to threaten to get our point across. That is all aggressive communication. Okay. 100%. And okay. so it doesn't just have to be in in person, right? Like your example about the passive, like a passive email, I'm so sorry to bother you when you can get this done, but really no rush. It can happen even in written correspondence. Sure. It doesn't just have to be and verbal. Passive aggressive might be an email that says something like, hi, checking in to see how your tasks are going for today. Yeah. Versus, hi, you're a day late on the deadline. I'm wondering where your paper is. Yes. Right. So it's kind of like this. I'm insinuating that there's something that you should be doing, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Exactly. Versus aggressive might be you're a day late and I'm going to demote you and you need to come speak to me in my office at 2 p.m. 100%. Or you're fired. Yes. Exactly. Even though I know you have a meeting at 2 p.m. Right. Yes. Yes. You got it. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. Just outlying all the scenarios because I myself, (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you can speak to this, but I feel that I struggle with even interpreting sometimes how people are communicating to me. I know we touched mm-hmm. on this a little bit last time yeah. with like the internal filters that we have and right. kind of how we see the world and our perceptions of of the world can how that can influence how we interpret certain interactions. So I know I myself sometimes can misinterpret just because I myself am a passive communicator mm-hmm. or tend to be more insecure at times. And so things like aggression or mm-hmm. passive aggression can really like people can be assertive and yeah. I can be like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm aware of that, but I yeah. think that that sometimes can misconstrue in my head what these actual like definitions are. So I really appreciate of going course. over it. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone. Yes. Yes. Both as a therapist and just yeah. as a person. <laughs> um, so on that note, how do we define assertive? Oh, assertive. I love assertive communication. I think I call it the holy grail of communication. It's the one that I think we should all strive to seek. Um, and it's also the hardest to maintain. Um, Because there is a very fine line. So an assertive communicator, um, the way I like to define it is somebody who 
really takes a moment to consider their own needs and wants, but also takes into consideration the needs and wants of others. So an assertive communicator does compromise. This isn't a person who just focuses about their needs and wants, but I want everyone to really pay attention to what I just said, is they take a moment to think about their needs and wants and then consider the needs and wants of others exactly in that order. Mm -hmm. This does not mean that you are selfish if you take a moment to consider your needs and wants. The important part of considering your needs and wants with boundary work, with communication, and having a relationship, any type of relationship, is there is absolutely no point in overextending ourselves just to feel resentful when we're burnt out. Because when we overextend ourselves, we are setting an expectation that we cannot meet. And so we're not actually fostering a a connection with that person that we can keep up with. Hmm. And so that's why it's so important to actually consider what your needs and wants are first before you offer what you can do to somebody else. Because that constant shift is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up with. So my biggest example of this is, um, I'm trying to think of one that I can use that's pretty clear cut and simple. Um, An example of this is maybe you're not the type of person who likes talking on the phone every single day, Hmm. but your friend is. You're just, you're, so be real with yourself. You're not the friend that your other friend can call every single day. Hmm. So the expectation that you set is, I don't like to talk on the phone Monday through Friday because that's my work and, you know, I'm tired, but I'm happy to have a conversation with you over the phone on Saturday. Hmm. So you are considering your needs and wants. You don't have the emotional capacity to have a phone call every single day, Monday through Friday, but Hmm. you do have it for Saturday. You can make the space on Saturday. And so there now you have a way that you can relate to that person that is consistent. It is aligned with your needs and you're taking into consideration that they want to talk to you on the phone. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But no need to overextend. So similar example, Mm -hmm. um, Relating to private practice. Yes. Um, So if we have not already made it very clear, we both do EMDR. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of the nature of that work, I try to be available to my clients in between sessions Mm -hmm. because a lot of times just whether it be um, a more urgent type situation or whether it's just a kind of a question of like, is this normal? I feel really tired. Right. <laughs> um, can come up in between sessions, especially mm-hmm. in the early stages of EMDR. Um, and so in being assertive in setting a boundary for myself, I often remind clients that they're welcome to reach out to me in between sessions. I'm happy to chat with them. Mm-hmm. My normal business hours are between the hours of nine and five. Mm-hmm. If they reach out to me outside of those hours, it's really hit or miss whether I will be available to respond. Yep. In some cases, I will if I have the time and space. In other instances, I won't, but it's not a reliable opportunity. If you reach out to me at noon on a Wednesday, I will do my best to get back to you that very day, if not within like the hour or two, just to check, you know, just to respond. Um, But kind of setting that acknowledgement of I understand that that this is important to be in touch with me in between sessions. Yes. However, here's kind of the guidelines around that and my boundaries around it. And it's not a guarantee, obviously, if it's an emergency, you need to go to the emergency room. But um, 
is that kind of a relevant 100%. example? 100%. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Of assertively communicating yes. that. Yes. Not just, you know, call me anytime, mm-hmm. which has been my approach in the past as a passive communicator, okay. right? It's been, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, that it's been yeah. like, a, well, but they're, you know, they're my clients and I'm their therapist and I should be there for them. And, and then I feel burnt out and resentful and I find myself at 10 o'clock, like, half asleep and a client is texting me and I'm like, oh, I told them that they could call me anytime and what do I do? Mm-hmm. No. Right, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> I am not in the headspace and it's not fair to them because I'm not, like I'm half asleep. They deserve a fully attentive yes. response. And so that's kind of helped move me through those right. types of boundaries. Mm-hmm. But, yep, yep, absolutely. I think an assertive communicator, another characteristic that highlights them is compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, so one of the examples that I use um, that clearly explains and I actually got this one from therapist aid it's mm. an online that's like a golden oh my god yes. like I feel like it's when I was so good in turn I was it was like gold mine yes it was ooh, it was a gold mine I'm um, just so excited my microphone. so excited um so I I this is an example from therapist aid um forms of communication activity um and it's so it's a great example so let's say that uh you you are going to be really busy tomorrow and you need your car your friend asks you if they can borrow your car. A passive communicator will say, uh, yeah, sure, I guess. Um, do you need me to fill up the tank for you? That might be excessive, right? I just want to put it out there that I think, um, and this is just my opinion, if someone's borrowing your car, they should probably put gas in the tank um, for you. That's like a generally yeah. polite thing to do before you return it or like at least make note of how much you took exactly (laughs) and replace that maybe you maybe don't have to fill up the whole thing 10 bucks (laughs) right exactly um but a passive communicator would just say you know what yeah let me give you your car because the internal messages start coming right is oh my god if i say no like are they gonna think that i'm an asshole are they gonna think that i don't love them that i don't care about them they really need it they really need it though right but the problem is that you forgot you need your car tomorrow yeah Now, an aggressive communicator would be like, are you kidding? Who lets someone borrow their car? I have a job to go to. I have a job to go to. How dare you? Here's the thing. While that may be all very true, if this person asks to borrow your car, it's because they think that they are your friend. We shouldn't be talking to our friends like that. Mm. Yeah. If we want to maintain a connection with them, we certainly don't have to insult them by calling them crazy. And if they ask, it's because they really need it. They're not going to ask for shits and giggles it's because they they think of you as a friend you know so it's not crazy it's not inconceivable that a friend would do that sure. um and so an assertive communicator would say i do need my car for tomorrow however if you let me know what time your appointment is i may be able to pick you up or drop you off yeah yeah that's it you considered your needs before the other person because again you need your car and we don't want to feel resentful of our friends afterwards right because that's something of our own making unfortunately and then you consider their needs and wants maybe you can't drop them you can't pick them up but you can drop them off or vice versa you're helping them in a capacity yeah I mean and can you be assertive in that situation and still say no like if it really doesn't work for you like oh my gosh I'm so sorry that you don't have transportation unfortunately I'm not available tomorrow yes So I love that because that brings me into my next thing. Assertive communication is not saying no and lying about your reason. That's passive. You don't have to lie about your no. The moment you implement a lie, you're immediately crossing the line to passive communication. No is also a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. Thank you. 
Yes. So yeah. to in that example, the way um, to navigate that is, um, I'm sorry that you don't have a ride. Um, I do need my car for tomorrow. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. It can also be, no, unfortunately, I'm not comfortable lending my car. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, I'm not able to come pick you up. Yes. Yes. It's not so, something I'm comfortable absolutely. with. Absolutely. And so here's two things that I really want to mention about assertive communication that can easily make it into passive communication. And it's lying about your reasoning and over-explaining. Hmm. Over-explaining is a trauma response. It means that you think you have to convince someone that your reason is enough. Your reason is enough simply because it's your reason. If people could see my face right now, <laughs> I am like... <laughs> You're speaking directly to my soul. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a, but a feeling of needing to justify. Yes, and, that you have needs. And feeling like, I think my my reasoning is is good enough, but will they think that my reasoning yes. is good enough? And, yes. you know, well, they would do this for me, so mm-hmm. maybe I should do that for them. Right. But again, people have different boundaries, yes. so they might be comfortable lending their car, hence why they asked. Right. Because to them, that's it's no big deal. deal. No big deal. Right. But for you, it might be different, that mm-hmm. you might not feel comfortable lending your car to somebody outside your family or 100%. to anyone. And neither yeah. is wrong, right? right? Because that's just who you are. And so my favorite example to use, um, especially with my teens, is like, you don't have to lie about why you can't make it to your friend's party if you don't want to go. You certainly don't have to say, no, I can't go because my giraffe has an appointment at the set. (laughs) Um, We don't need to do that. (laughs) We don't need to do that. We don't need to go into some outlandish or over like a tale about why. actually, here, I have a toe fungus and it's been growing up my foot and it's really (laughs) nasty and gross. And I tried to clip it the other day and then I called my podiatrist and they said that it's like whoa 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 okay gross I don't need to know that. right exactly so it's funny um I I love my mom <laughs> I think that's a common <laughs> so my mom is an aggressive communicator by nature um as am I she's more passive aggressive um I would think but the other day I was over and she had previously um told her friend that she would go over and drop off some food but she had done yard work that day. So by the time she was done, she was exhausted. She didn't want to drive 20 minutes to drop off food. She called this person and went on the most convoluted journey. I was just like, I was sitting and I was watching her and I was like, this is story time. Like, where the hell was this energy when it was bedtime and you were supposed to read me a story or something? And once she finished, she was like, do you think he believed me? I was like, one, no. Um, two, let's talk about why you felt you needed to do that. Um, and she mm-hmm. said, well, because I already told him, I was like, yes, but you just did yard work. Did you plan on doing yard work? Well, no, I just, I can't, I went out and I saw that like one of, I think one of her pipes had burst or something. And I was like, okay, so when you had made that arrangement, it was all under the assumption that things were going to go okay, but things did not go well for you today. And you had to meet your needs. There is no shame Mm -hmm. in saying, you know what? Plans have changed. Plans have changed. I don't think I'll be able to bring you that uh, plate of food for today. But if you are still, you know, wanting it, I can drop it off tomorrow around this time and this time. Yeah. She looked at me like I had five heads. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, you don't need to lie about why you have needs. Because I'm pretty sure 
knowing this person because I also know her friend, I'm pretty sure that if this had happened to his home, there wouldn't be a question. In fact, there might not have even been a phone call. Sure. You know what's so interesting about that too, right? Like you had said in your car example and Mm -hmm. in this example with your mom, right, that there's a friendship, right? That these are people that we care about in your example with your Mm -hmm. teens, that it, that when we're communicating with, with certain people, presumably there's some sort of relationship, whether it be professionally or whether it be in your personal life, regardless of the degree of that, lying about the reasoning can Mm -hmm. be really tricky because Mm -hmm. sure, in some cases, maybe it's a pretty foolproof lie, But in other situations, like even in my work with people, I've often seen like my friend told me that they couldn't hang out. And then I saw them on Snapchat Mm -hmm. with someone else or my other friend casually dropped that they saw them out doing X, Y, Z with so-and-so. And And now I'm wondering why I wasn't good enough to hang out, Mm -hmm. but their other friend was good enough to hang out. And, and so those, those lies can even if they're white lies or if you don't want to call it a lie, it's just an omission of truth or you like not being honest or trying to provide some sort of explanation. It, it can lead to hurt yeah. in the end that we're actually not helping the relationship by trying to save their feelings. We're, yes. we're hurting the relationship. 100%. Or at least risking the hurt yes. of the relationship. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a great place to table our conversation temporarily until we continue it in part two. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe. You guys can leave us a voicemail on Spotify or DM us. Um, our Instagram is at sincerely two imperfect therapists. That is the number two. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to discuss any topics that you want to hear. And until next time... Sincerely, Sincerely two imperfect, imperfect therapists. therapists.